This is the Resilient Disciples Podcast powered by Alana. I'm Ross. You know who you are. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. If you're anything like me, uh, the past few days have been really challenging because you've been watching the situation in Ukraine and asking yourself, asking God, asking your church community, what can I do? And what and how can I talk to my kids about something this complicated and this hard? And I want to be really clear up front, um, although the two uh, people I have with me are incredibly talented and experts in this, this is not something we're going to solve with one podcast episode. And while the context of this conversation is going to be about Ukraine, which is why we wanted to make sure we talked about it now, what we're going to share is a bit broader and can be applied to a lot of hard conversations with kids. So I'm thrilled to be joined by Kelly Bartley and... Jenny Smith, two of my colleagues, um, but two folks who co-wrote an article called How to Talk to Kids About the Conflict in Ukraine. Uh, That's linked in the show notes, as is a couple of different resources specific to Awana and the conflict in Ukraine. For those of you who want to support the ministry there, there's a direct way to do that via awana.org slash Ukraine. But we've also consolidated uh, prayer requests, updates from on the ground and resources, uh, which you can also find in the show notes. So Kelly, Jenny, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Ross. Yeah, thanks for having us. So I want to lean in just for introduction purposes. You know, you guys are obviously folks who have spent your careers within the context of children's ministry. You are clearly experts in this. Uh, You guys are also parents and folks who are coming at this, not only from the context of your own households, but also um, trying to figure out how to talk to the community about it. So why did you guys decide as much as it was a conscious decision to write this article? I think that um, it's important for us to help as parents are navigating this in their own homes to give them the tools to do that. I think, you know, we are all about child discipleship and helping equip parents and churches to disciple children. This is part of it. These real things that are happening in real life, um, are excellent opportunities for us to talk to our kids and help them navigate this. And, and kids are wondering, we want to be able to equip parents to answer the questions that are coming up within their homes. Yeah. Melissa. Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, you touched on it. I've been working in children's ministry for a couple decades, but also have three children of my own. Um, and my, uh, almost 13 year old son came home and just said, man, mom, I've been hearing about what's happening in Ukraine and just for his heart to be softened and to want to talk about it. Um, you know, just as Jenny said, child discipleship happens in the home. Mm. And so it's something near and dear to our hearts, um, as parents and also, um, as Kidman workers. Yeah. And I think it's important for those of you who are listening to understand that, you know, if you're as Denise Kiesbo would say, if you're a faith friend, or you're a community leader or a grandparent or someone who doesn't necessarily have kids in your home, uh, what we're going to talk about is still relevant um, because I think it, you guys do a fantastic job laying out a roadmap on how to navigate this difficult conversation and a lot of other difficult conversations. So from my own experience, um, I have a six-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. And one of the things that was sort of this wake-up call for my wife and I, my six-year-old asked what's happening. And I think it's important to start with this idea that this is not something we can lean away from. The temptation for me is always, let me try to figure out a way to 
be a snow a snowplow parent and then justify it later. <laughs> Let me protect my kids from hard things. Let me helicopter them to safety. And I'm constantly having to remind myself that that is not what Jesus asks me to do as a dad. But you guys make a clear point in the article to start by just acknowledging we have to talk about what's happening. Why is that such a hard step for most parents? I think like you said, Ross, it's easier to not. It's easier. We want to protect them. We want to protect their innocence. We want... Um, we, we don't know if we have the answers to the hard questions they might come up with. And it's just easier to go talk about homework and the thing, the day-to-day things than really dig into, to the hard things of life. But like you said, it's so important to do. We've got, we've got to address these with our kids because they're wondering about it. And if we're not answering their questions, they're going to find the answer somewhere. And we want to be able to help, help them think biblically about these answers. There it is. Yeah, because I'm I'm reminded of a few different things. Uh, I know from the Child Deception Forum, uh, Darren Whitehead, who's a pastor out in uh, uh, Tennessee, discussed he, he the phrase that his church uses is counterformation. That we have to assume that there's a level of formation that is happening to our kids that is outside the context of a biblical worldview, uh, traditional biblical discipleship, whatever sort of handle you want to apply uh, to this conversation, and especially for those of you who are parents or faith friends of kids who are older, they are walking around with every possible theory, good, bad, ugly, true, not true, et cetera, in their pockets. And you have to getting in front of that, I think is such a crucial way to step into our biblical mandate of discipleship. And I'll touch on that too. I would say, you know, even if you're a parent or guardian, I don't say this to put fear in your eyes, um, but even if you're a parent or guardian who has restrictions at home, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in that of, you know, my son does have a phone, but we have restrictions on there, sure. but they have friends or um, kids that they're in school with who don't have restrictions. And so I, I think that even if you are really careful about what you're um, allowing inside of your home, um, our kids are out in the world. And so they're seeing things, they're hearing things from others, um, whether or not it's on a device that you control at your home, they're Mm -hmm. hearing it otherwise. So it is really important. And again, that's not to put fear, but it's to say our job is really important. It's important that we have these conversations because they're aware. So I want to ask, you know, I recognize that the two of you aren't, uh, clinical child development experts, but I think that there's probably a bit of attention for some folks, particularly parents in my stage of life, which is, you know, young, young kids. And I'm curious for someone who has young kids, how you would talk about that, whether it's from your own experience or just best practices, and then comparing that to someone who maybe has a 16 or an 18 year old or an older child or older youth within the home, like walk us through those distinct age groups. That's a good question. So I'll start with the younger. Um, and then I haven't quite gotten to the teen years, although I have some experience in working with teens in youth ministry and such. Um, I haven't quite. I'm just entering into that stage mm-hmm. stage in our household. You know, I would say starting as young as preschool, I think a really important thing um, that we that we teach with hard conversations is again, honesty. I think mm. being honest and not sh- shying away from it. A lot of times, 
especially in those younger ages, those preschool ages, kids are just curious, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, you talked about the age kids you have in your home. I'm sure the amount of times you hear the question, why is quite frequently Mm -hmm. (laughs) kids are curious. They want to know what's going on. A lot of times that curiosity is innocent. They may not have anything that came up. They may not have heard something from a friend at preschool, um, but they just in general are curious. So they ask questions and want to know why. Um, with kids, I think being just straightforward and honest with them and giving them a, you know, factual, succinct answer. A lot of times they go, Oh, okay. And then they move on. Um, but it lays that groundwork and that foundation of you can come to me to ask questions. You can get an honest answer from me. And that starts early on. I mean, starting in that preschool age. Yeah. Well, I I think too, about even, you know, my son's two and a half, but you see the differences in their personalities and how I feel this level of safety with my daughter, which is, I know that I can say honest, factual things to her. And then I can very visibly see when she'll check out. Mm -hmm. And it gives me this level of confidence of, you know, with this, I was able to talk about the, uh, in an age appropriate terms, talk about war in an age appropriate terms. Um, and no, she was making the decision on when she didn't want to hear anymore when you're not parenting a teenager, getting that face from your child is not at all frustrating. And it's actually kind of adorable, but Jenny, to set you up for that, you know, I, you are someone who's in the, in the thick of it, as Kelly said, how do we talk to an older child who may have access to more information, but may have just as many questions? I think the biggest deal is recognizing that our responsibility has to be to help them think biblically, not tell mm. them what to think. Once we start telling them what to think, they're kind of going to check out. Um, it's also trying to approach it on their terms, like trying to figure, trying to navigate how to have these conversations, but not like my 16 year old is not going to respond to me saying, let's sit down and have a 30 minute conversation about Ukraine. That's not going to work. But at 10 o'clock at night, when I'm ready to go to bed and she wanders through and says, Hey, what about this? I've got to be ready to respond to that. Right. And they're old enough to watch news reports. They're old enough. Like you had mentioned social media, they've got it in their pocket. They're watching all kinds of stuff my job has got to be to talk them through that and talk through how to think through that biblically and to help guide them to think, um, according to scripture rather than just accept everything at face value. Um, but at the same time, I've got to encourage them to think again, it's not me telling them what to think. I've got to help guide that. It's a different world than you can tell the two-year-old what to think, right? <laughs> I mean, you could try. I don't know. I don't know how successful <laughs> I've been with my son, but yeah, you definitely can try. Well, and I think another thing that's important with that too, no matter what the age, no matter if it's two or 16 or 18 or, you know, 38, I think validating the place that they're coming to, Mm -hmm. to say, Mm -hmm. no matter how they're showing up to the conversation, if they're showing up to the conversation curious, that's great. If they're showing up to the Mm -hmm. conversation fearful, Mm -hmm. if they're showing up uh, to the conversation because they're sad, um, no matter how they're showing up or maybe it's anger, right? There's a whole slew of emotions that can come out. And I think it's meeting them in that space and saying, I see you in that. Mm -hmm. That's okay that that's how you're coming. Let me sit with you in that Mm -hmm. and let's have a conversation. That, That opens up the doors no matter what age now that may look different again your two-year-old comes to you crying it's not i validate these emotions (laughs) right now like that's not exactly how you approach your two-year-old your two-year-old you just say oh what's wrong i'm here you know mommy's here with you daddy's here with you it's okay and then 
you know, you're sitting with them in that space and then they start to, those walls break down and then you can have more conversation, you know, with your 16 year old, it may say, man, I understand how that would make you feel angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I understand that. And so it's, it's, it's allowing that, um, that safety and, uh, allowing that belonging for those kids to feel with you as their parent. And that's, and that's where I want to lean into next. You know, I think folks listen to this podcast on a regular basis to hear us talk about the importance of belonging as it relates to child discipleship. And Jenny Kelly talked, touched on this earlier, but part of the opportunity for parents in moments like this is it fuels discipleship. If they feel safe coming to you during a hard conversation where there's emotion, where they don't understand, they are more likely to feel willing and able and safe to come to you during the casual everyday discipleship um, that uh, we as parents uh, experience every day. I'm curious for you, Jenny, when it, when it comes to uh, older kids specifically, that safety looks a little different because I know for me when I was 16 and I would see events like this happening, I had this sort of uh, the righteous indignation that a lot of teenagers get to carry how are you walking through or how would you recommend folks walk through older kids who maybe feel safe because of the previous 16 years of their life, but now are trying to figure out like what level of, for lack of a better term, danger they're willing to accept in their own circumstances? Wow. What a great question. Um, so the, so my 16 year old that we were talking about immediately after the conflict began, started texting me about how could she go to Ukraine and help? Right. So they, mm-hmm. I, I see totally what you're talking about, that some of these teenagers are like, so let me go fix it. I want to go fix it. And so, um, I think it's helping them figure out some wisdom in that and understanding more of just what their screen saying, like understanding the whole big picture and helping them, um, look for other ways to maybe, some, some safe, healthy ways to use that indignation that they may be feeling, um, rather than going and jumping on a plane, but what is trying to help them figure out, what are some practical ways that we can help? Where are some places where there are refugees that we can support? What are some missionaries? You mentioned the different things that I want us to do. What are the different things that, that we can support, um, that help them kind of process those feelings too. Like, why is this burning on you so much? Is this, what's God doing in you to make you feel this so strongly and help them navigate that at home as well. And how can we put that into practice here and not jump on a plane to Ukraine like she wants to be (laughs) completely because one of the things and you, let's just like name the elephant in the room. One of the points you guys make in your article is avoiding news coverage. And I know that for Mm -hmm. a lot of parents, uh, avoiding news coverage is also advice that we should take ourselves. But, uh, can you speak to, uh, Jenna, I'll start with you, but Kelly, I would love to hear from you on this too, of why that's so critical, um, for kids. Why is it so critical that in how to talk to kids about the conflict in Ukraine, it's also about not experiencing every second of news coverage. Well, because it's nonstop and the, the younger the kids are, the less they can process the nonstop, um, influx of, of news talking heads, right? Um, they can't process all the different what's opinion and what's fact. And I think as they get older, we can expose them and let them see a little bit more, but it's gotta be, like I said earlier, that process of helping them discern and figure out what, what's comparing what's being said to what scripture says. And so littles, you know, it's just not, there's no benefit to them hearing it because everything right now is just 
um, emotional, super emotional, wherever you listen to and super, um, sensational is the word I'm looking for there. Sure. And that, that doesn't help them, right? It's just not helpful. And the constant barrage of it, they can't escape it. If it's constantly in the background noise of our house, they can't escape it. And that's just Mm -hmm. not healthy for our older kids. Um, they don't, they certainly don't need more media than they're already consuming, but (laughs) again, having that constant barrage of of the sensationalism doesn't help them form um, solid opinions. It just helps them repeat talking heads. Yeah. Cause I think what's important to qualify here is obviously the three of us are sitting here. Uh, Kelly and I within the comfort of our workspace, Jenny within the comfort of your own home, you know, we are in America, we are in an environment that is obviously um, incredibly different than those who are on the ground in Ukraine right now. But when I think about the context of my own kids, the context of kids that are in my life, I think about that word helpful that you just alluded to Jenny on how taking a break from it, even just for just a few minutes for the person who is ready to go, has the means to travel to Ukraine. All of that is beneficial because this is a long-term conflict and we need folks who are going to be willing and be able to be sustained within this, um, the humanitarian efforts that are coming, the ministry opportunities that are coming, the refugee care that's coming. I think there's a risk, particularly for parents of our general age group of becoming burnt out because we were folks who uh, experienced the rise of technology in real time. And now we are the ones who are most likely to never turn the news off. So if we are guarding that for ourselves of making sure we don't burn out, how much more critically important it is to make sure that our kids don't succumb to those same pressures. Um, So, but Jenny, you you pointed something here and Kelly, I want to start with you on this, which is you guys make a call out that I think is incredibly important in the article it's also the definition of what you would expect to hear from Moana, which is in this conversation on how to talk to kids about the conflict in Ukraine, you make the point on, we need to make sure that we are pointing towards Jesus. Kelly, how do we point towards Jesus in a situation like this, where it's about war or chaos or disruption? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I'd, I'd like to point out to, uh, to the last point of, of news coverage. I was, Googling on my phone real quick, a verse came to mind and I was like, oh, where's that from? Um, from Philippians um, where we're talking here about um, the peace of God, which mm. transcends all understanding. And he says in Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And the peace of God will be with you. And I think, um, you know, just to conclude that last point there, it's a balance as parents that we have to face of, and even as ourselves of being aware, you know, not shutting out the world, right? It's like Mm. in the world, but not of the world, not shutting out the world, not shutting out what's happening, being aware, knowing what's happening, but also um, making sure that we are reflecting and spending time on on pointing to Christ, mm-hmm. what is pure, what is right, what is noble. Um, and that's where peace comes from. Yeah. Um, in your question, you asked about pointing to Jesus. This is so important 
in these conversations with kids. When we're having these conversations, like we said, you know, first meet, meeting them where they're at, right? Mm-hmm. However they're showing up, meeting them in that place, being with them, cultivating that belonging with them and um, validation of how they're showing up. The questions kids are going to ask, and sometimes this is, you know, to our earlier point, kids, we get scared as parents to address these tough issues because we don't have the right answers. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, can I quick flip through the Bible and find any passages about about war, war. and how yeah. does God handle this? Like that can feel really daunting. And and truthfully, we don't have to show up with all those answers. Mm-hmm. When kids come with with fears, with anxiety, with with questions we can start to have those conversations with them or we say, you know, what do we know to be true about God? Mm. Start there, start with the character of God. What do you know to be true about God? And just let them answer that. And, you know, they may say a variety of things. What do you think about how God is thinking, how God is handling the situation and allowing them to start to find those answers within starting with the character of God. And then it's pointing to scripture and going, okay, let's look in the Bible. So I think starting with that conversation first of pointing to what's true about God's character is important because it helps kids with that resiliency. Right. I mean, as Jenny was saying, when they get to be teenagers, if you start that when they're young, when they're teenagers, they can start to do that on their own. Um, and then have a parent help them with those conversations. So it's just really crucial um, that we, in the stages of discipleship, are pointing them to how Jesus is present and how God uh, works and what we know of his character. Yeah, so good. Jenny, anything anything to add there? Yeah, I would just add that this and every hard conversation, every hard conversation is an opportunity for us to have a gospel conversation with our kids, right? That um, war happens because our world is broken and our world mm. is broken because of sin. And the only hope for our world and its brokenness is through Jesus. And so, you know, just a reminder that as we're helping them navigate all of this, it give us, gives us the opportunity to talk through the gospel with them as well. Yeah, completely. I think it's so critical in moments like this to remember, remember that we're drawing from a well that never runs dry. And when I think about the the chaos of what folks are experiencing on their various screens and obviously what folks are on the ground in Ukraine are experiencing. The only thing that allows anybody to get through this is to draw from a well that never runs dry and how beautiful the opportunity is for us as parents to reflect that to our kids, to be able to say, I don't know, to be able to say, this is hard that I'm angry. Like all of the things you're alluding to Kelly. And then to also say, but God is still good. And I think if you get nothing else from this conversation, dear listener, don't be afraid to lean in to the questions, the comments, the concerns that your kids have, because this is an opportunity to shape lasting faith. Well, and I think, I think you said it just right there, lasting faith, because if we try to just give them the, the cookie cutter answer that, that I myself received, you know, in Sunday school, all those years of God is a plan, God's in control, no problem. And then move on yes, those things are true, right? Mm -hmm. Those things are true, but the lasting faith is allowing them to have doubts, to have fears, to have questions. Um, 
and then walk them through that process. And it is scarier, right? As parents, as, as you're saying, faith friends, it's a scarier process to go through, to not feel like we have all the answers, but what that develops in these kids is the ability to say, God can handle my, my doubts. God Mm. can handle my fears. God can handle my worry. Um, and I can see his goodness and his grace in the midst of this. And that is what forms that lasting faith. Yeah. Well said. Um, the last things that I want to touch on, um, that you guys touch in the article, uh, obviously, um, for folks who are connected to Awana specifically, um, Ukraine is sort of the heartbeat of our ministry in Europe. So, uh, if you're curious about ways to help, like I said, at the beginning, there's links in the show notes. If you're curious about prayer and, uh, sort of updates on the ground, there's a link to that in the show notes, as well as a link to this article that we've been talking about today, uh, written by Kelly and Jenny. Um, we're also regularly continuing the conversation on our social channels, um, and through emails. So if you are looking for ways to help, uh, that is specific to Awana, we want to make sure that we offer no shortage of opportunities to you. Um, but you guys make a point and I like the way you put it, which is investigate ways to serve. And Jenny, you obviously talked about this earlier with your 16 year old being like, maybe we don't need to get on a plane to Ukraine right now. Right. right. But one of the things that I'm mindful of is just as there are a, uh, a chorus of voices talking about how this is all broken and this is, and sort of nihilistic, nihilistic, this is never going to be fixed. There's also a chorus of voices that are talking about, Hey, I have the answer to fix this support me and I can figure this out. And I'm curious how you guys walk your own kids or advise others to walk kids, uh, their kids through discerning the right ways for them as individuals or them as families or communities to help people right now. That's a fantastic question. Um, my advice to my own child would be, let's look at organizations that you have already been connected with or already trust in some ways. Let's look at what organizations have a reputation and a long-term solution. The solution is not a great word there, but a long-term yeah. influence, I guess. Um, Awana, we've had missionaries on the ground there for a long time. Um, our church's connections to missionaries that have been there a long time. Let's hear what they're saying. Let's hear what groups they're rallying around or, or accepting help from because they know what's really help happening on the ground. This would be my best suggestions is let's, let's not listen to the loudest voice, but let's see who has had the longest term influence and in understanding of what's happening. The Resilient Disciples podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith, young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org slash lasting faith today. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and hits by Jude. You also heard I'll Let Go 
provided by Josiah Williams from his album, Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you.